1: Boris Johnson is in trouble, questions are being asked over how long he can stay in position but one of the things helping to keep him in place is the fact that there is no consensus in the Tory party over who would be best to replace him. Fraser in your Telegraph column this week you write about the fact that the two front runners Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss are not in a position to move, why is that?
0: I don't think either of them feel they can start canvassing opinion right now. Every move they make is scrutinised. Rishi Sunak, for example cannot so much as go and buy a pint of milk without Number 10 reading some malign intent into it right now. Carrie Johnson in particular, the Prime Minister's wife, regards him as a main threat to Boris. So she's got this paranoia and she's still more influential in the um, Number 10 machine than is generally let on. So Rishi Sunak has to be careful. He has been taking politicians in recently to talk about you know the future of this, the future of that. And midway through these conversations, he will say to them, by the way, you know, you, you do realize that I'm a low tax Tory, basically making his pitch. Now, do you see that as a leadership pitch or do you see that as? A Chancellor simply trying to reassure his party to stay with the, the general project. You can look at it one way or another. But other than that, he hasn't been doing much organizing. Liz Truss has been doing no organizing at all, but in a way she doesn't really need to. I mean she has been leading the activists' pool for quite some time now. I remember in Tory Party Conference, you could tell where Liz Truss was speaking because there were the rooms with the biggest cues on the way in and the biggest smiles on the way out. She's a huge favorite amongst the um members. If there were to be a runoff right now, she would probably win. And what I have noticed in the last few days, talking to MPs, is hearing, for the first time, negative chats about Liz Truss and Rishi Sunak. Rishi Sunak, he's too dainty, he's too posh, he's too sort of pure to get his hands dirty with politics he's not a real man not a real leader you start to hear that Liz Trust she's an Instagram poser she's a method actor she's she takes the form of somebody of achievements without any achievements now why would Tories be slagging off those two only if they think they're going to go for the leadership so if you do want to run with a leader you need to first of all you need an operation which neither of them have got you need to be able to take the poison darts that I'm not sure either of them do You need to have an agenda. I'm not entirely sure either of them do that either. Now, I was talking to one MP who was saying, look, let's imagine that the Metropolitan Police charge Boris Johnson. I know it's unlikely. James thinks that there's various reasons why what he's done is outside criminal scope. However, I like to think that the police were going after 2,000 people they charged in Westminster Court... For doing pretty much the same thing, they would also go after the Prime Minister if they could get a chance. I think it would be kind of cosmic justice, really. If he was in any way breaking the law, then he should be prosecuted in the same way that anybody else was. Say that did happen and he had to resign, then you would have to get Rishi Sunak thrust into this position in the same way that he was thrust into the Chancellor's job. And Liz Truss would absolutely run against him. So you'd be then getting into that category. But this is all pretty hypothetical right now. And I think the silence we've seen this week has said two things. One, that the Tory party has looked over the edge and it realises it's not ready to pick a new leader. And two, none of the potential leaders are willing to send a signal just yet.
1: James, a lot of the conversation is about Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss and clearly, particularly Rishi Sunak, the delay that he took to tweet support of Boris Johnson has been seized on by various figures in Downing Street, but also Sunak's critics to say that he is you know, on manoeuvres and insufficiently supportive. But away from those final two, how many figures do you think we're going to see if there is a leadership contest this year deciding to throw the hat in the ring?
2: I think there will be so many candidates that the 1922 Committee will once again have to impose a kind of minimum threshold, a minimum level of support if you're going to make it through to even... To stand in the first round. I mean, Wait, be... for,
0: for example, who? I mean, Jake Berry, Tom Tugendhat, uh,
2: Kit Malthouse ran last time when he was, uh, I think he was a junior minister. He's now a cabinet minister. It would be a surprise if he didn't run again. Penny Morden would be a surprise if she didn't run. She was People thought she might last time. She decided not to at the last minute. Some people think that Priti Patel has been so loyal to Boris Johnson right now because she intends to run as the kind of Johnson continuity candidate. So there are no shortage of candidates.
1: James, do you think we'd get anyone from the 20- 2019 intake.
2: I don't mean anyone will run from that intake. Not, no. you've not even
0: DeHenna Davis, and I'd love to see that campaign. I don't think so. I think that I, I'm trying to get to my mind.
1: I know you are, but we just, I mean, she does have a big social media following.
0: W- wouldn't she? that be so much fun, Casey? But you can get some Taylor Swift sort of campaign theme tune.
1: Though perhaps Liz Truss and I could run a double ticket because they both like Taylor Swift and free trade and free markets. Bring it. But well, that was a pitch. Anyway, James, now please tell us your big thought.
2: So my big thought is <laughs> that the best way to understand Tory leadership contest is that there are different lanes that people are running in. And there is undoubtedly still a lane for the left One Nation wing of the party. I mean, that lane at the moment is particularly interesting because the big question is whether Jeremy Hunt runs. If Jeremy Hunt runs, I don't think anyone else on that, side of the party can get going i mean there are two reasons why jeremy hunt might not run one is that he seems very happy in his life and whether he would wish to go back into that is an interesting question and the second is that some people who are inclined to support him fear that he would lose in the runoff and a lot of jeremy hunt supporters Lord Jeremy Hunt's natural constituency are also people who would not want Liz Truss to win. And they worry that Jeremy Hunt running might make that more likely because he would make the runoff against her and he would be less likely to beat her because, for the reasons that Fraser said about her being an activist... It's funny how much of a stop-truss sort of
0: constituency there is right now.
1: Yeah, she was described to me by one figure as the Marmite candidate because, you know, she has a strong following in some ways, but actually already people are talking about how they can stop her getting to the membership.
2: So... If Jeremy Hunt doesn't run, Tom Tugendhat, the chairman of the Foreign Affairs Select Committee, I think becomes more likely to be able to pick up a bit of support. I still don't think he can make the final two. What's what's his platform? His platform will be...
1: Anti-Boris.
2: I haven't been in this government. His thing will be service. You know, everyone loves a soldier. And the dignity, you know, that, that military discipline, I think, contrasts, shall we say, with all the revelations that we are seeing in recent weeks. And... Also, you know, you saw this at Tory conference when he used to make regular jokes about how much of a Jeremy Corbyn manifesto that this government was implementing. So he would run on a kind of, you know, one-nation-y, but let's get back to being Tories and not raising taxes. You know, he would point to his warnings about inflation and and the like. And obviously, he's hawkish on Russia and China. And remember, this Tory leadership contest could well take place during a, a Russian invasion of Ukraine, which would change the atmosphere. But... You know, then I think don't underestimate the people running from the kind of right of the party, right? Penny Morden, you know, she's only been a minister of state in this government. I think she is expected to run. I don't again, I don't mean to make the final two, but they will shape this contest because Tory leadership contests are a momentum game. And and what's crucial is to look at who is gonna run, then drop out and where are their supporters likely to go I think that is an important point to make and understand about this I think that one of the other things that I think will have a huge impact on this contest is polling I think that you know Tory MPs if they get rid of Boris Johnson it will be because they worry that they cannot hold their seats with him in charge and so when you get those prompted questions saying Would you vote for a Conservative Party led by Liz Truss, led by Jeremy Hunt, led by British Sunak, led by Nadeem Zahawi? You know, that that will have a very big effect on things.
0: I mean, I was always told, James, that that sort of polling is very unreliable because you're asking people to imagine how they would vote if they take Nadeem Zahawi. Now, outside people who listen to this podcast, who really knows who he is? Yeah.
2: Yeah, look, that kind of polling is obviously flawed. I mean, there is an interesting question, which, as you say, it obviously doesn't work when people are not well-known. You know, I mean, as you say, who has in the general public has an opinion on Nadeem Zahawi to say whether or not he would be more likely to make them vote Tory or not? I think Rishi Sunak is an exception to that in that he is a well-known politician. And he is, I think, at the moment, unique in being a politician who is well-known and also has a favourable rating with the public. And, you know, so that, I think, is a slightly more reliable guide. I think Nadeem Zahawi, I would say, you know, he is, if one can be the obvious dark horse candidate, he is. You know, this government has two successes in the pandemic, furlough and vaccines. Now, the Tory party is obviously slightly conflicted about furlough, that it was a necessary thing, but it was not a hugely... Tory thing, while as vaccines is a kind of simpler thing to to kind of grab onto, and as someone, Sportsman James Harvey said to me on, on Friday, you know he benefits from the fact that you know the vaccine program stalled basically when he stopped being vaccines minister, which which makes it easier to say, you know, here is someone who actually drives things and gets things done.
0: But there's a jug of pool that actually rates popularity versus recognition. And it's quite interesting that, you know, sure, like, like, for example, Rishi Sunak, 95% of people have heard of him, and he, as you say, James, he's got a minor but positive popularity. The only other two Tories who do are um, Kemi Bednich and Steve Baker, except almost nobody's heard of Kemi Bednich, 20% of those asked, and only 25% have heard of Steve Baker. So it's funny that familiarity does kind of breed contempt for most of the well-known Tories. I mean,
2: those are two other interesting names, you know. I mean, Do they run? I don't think that's impossible. I think Steve Baker will have a lot of power as someone who can kind of corral large groups of people. I also think that one thing that makes me chuckle when I think about a leadership contest is a wonderful, delicious detail in one of Casey's columns that one former minister has kind of measured up their office and worked out that they can fit in, I think, fourteen desks, which I think it's sixteen. Sixteen, sorry. Which is, you know, easily enough for a decent sized campaign team. So I think that, you know, things like this are gonna get Interesting.
1: When it comes, I suppose, to other candidates, one we haven't mentioned is Mark Harper. I think there's lots of members of the COVID recovery group who want someone who has been true on restrictions, which means that it's quite tricky for various members of the cabinet. Fraser, if someone's listening to this podcast and they've got five pounds going spare and they want to make a bet, in a way, you're not going to get much of a return if Rishi Sunak becomes prime minister on five pounds. What do you think the best outside
0: betters? Well, it depends what you mean by outside. I mean, if you were... The most
1: what? money you can get with a reasonable chance you might get it back. No, <laughs> oh, I don't know.
0: I, I simply would not put on a bet in those circumstances. They're incredibly difficult to guess. I mean, look what happened last time. You end up with a sort of um, circular firing squad where Theresa May walks into number 10 over the corpses of all the other guys who just shot each other. You'd never have thought Theresa May would be the victor. Of that. And I think there'll be lots, so much blue on blue action, it'd be difficult to tell who would go after that. I would eat this microphone if Steve Baker or Kemi Bednach were to stand. I might regret saying that. But, uh, can,
2: can, can we, Max, can we make sure that that is clipped? Yeah,
1: okay. What, what about Michael Gove? Does anyone think oh, this could be Gove's time to shine?
0: I think Michael Gove will probably run. He had an apparatus last time, and he, from what I gather, his proxy. He does have proxies in Parliament who are making his case. As by the way, does Pretty Patel? So another. another What's na- the Gove pitch? I've been through the mill, says Michael Gove. I've been through every scandal. There was nothing left to come out about me, and I've shown that I can withstand it. Here I am. I'm still standing, despite um, everything I ever did. So that's Michael Gove's pitch. It's one of of durability. The thing is, if Tories want to move on from from lockdown... Remember, Michael Gove was a pretty big advocate of lockdown. I I, I don't think Michael Gove will stand. You don't think?
2: I think some people... So there are two ways to try and preserve your position if you are a cabinet minister. One way is to stand and hope that you elicit enough support to cement your position. The other is not to stand and back the candidate you think is most likely to win as a way of trying to preserve your position. And the other, which I think is what the interesting question here, the person we haven't talked to random last time, Dominic Raab, the deputy prime minister and the first secretary of state. If I was Dominic Raab, my instinct would be not to stand this time. You've been badly damaged by Afghanistan. But I think you could get a lot of brownie points and make it impossible for anyone to move you on from your job as deputy prime minister if you stepped in in the event of Boris Johnson stepping down and acted as interim prime minister... ...during the contest
0: itself. so who would you bet money on? Oh, God. Good one, difficult question, but you ask me.
1: If I had to bet money tomorrow... ...it depends when the leadership contest is, doesn't it? Right, let's say
0: the pool has come for him on Monday... ...and he has to stand down.
1: Okay, then I'd probably bet money on Rishi Sunak... ...because I think that Liz Truss has lots of supporters... ...who are very dedicated to her and think she's great... ...but on the Mm -hmm. other side, she's got lots of people... ...who really don't want her to be Prime Minister... I think that Rishi Sunak would be seen as a fairly safer choice. So and the final two is what,
0: Rishi versus who? Because remember, you'd have to stop getting to the final two, would you not? Unless you think the members would choose Rishi over Liz. Rishi
1: Sunak versus Liz mm. Truss to the membership is actually going to be quite tight. Okay. And Rishi Sunak could win that. Liz Truss could also win it. But I don't think that's a slam dunk. I think also what's interesting it's, is it's everyone so gets quite... On these Conservative home polls, everyone really reads the fact that on the Cabinet top league table, Liz Trust has been at the top for over a year which is very impressive. But look at the YouGov membership poll recently. That actually had Rishi Sunak as, you know, a favourite. So I think that it's not clear to me which would come out. And actually, you do want a healthy contest, so probably those two. I think Rishi Sunak could potentially have some of the Jeremy Hunt type figures if they don't think that person is going through, reluctantly getting behind him over Liz Truss. But I think my money would probably be there. But if it's later on, I think that you've got time for people like Nadim Sahor to build up and I think stopping Liz Trust from getting to the membership you can say you want to do it but I'm interested for example to see where does Gavin Williamson go in this because a lot of people say oh journalists build him up too much there's like almost a mystique around Gavin Williamson which I wouldn't say he's particularly popular amongst some of the intakes so they'll be like oh why are you journalists always going on about Gavin Williamson as this kingmaker you know he's not even popular and I was say well if being influential was all about being popular. There are some other MPs that should be pretty influential right now who aren't really. And I think that given Gavin Williamson played a pretty instrumental role when it came to the parliamentary rounds, both for Theresa May and for Boris Johnson, I think that where Liz trust to get someone like Gavin Williams in her team, it could actually suddenly get a bit harder for the other campaigns to squeeze her out.
2: I'm just I'm gonna take a risk and disagree with one thing that Katie okay. said
1: I'm gonna ask him to delete it from the audio then
2: um, I think Nadeem Zahawi benefits from the contest sooner rather than later in that he is in the sweet spot of having arrived in his new job at the Department for Education talked about the things he wants to do but you can't yet say he succeeded well, with fails. you know, for example look at this report on the tutoring program that you know that there's a very low level of take-up right it's completely unfair to blame Nadeem Zahawi for that If that is still the case in five months' time, it would be. I also think that Katie raises a crucial point, which is the difference between the Conhome poll and the YouGov poll. They're not massive, but interestingly, if you talk to Tory MPs, their view is that there is a mild difference between what activists think and what the membership think. Mm -hmm. The, the, The kind of people who go to party conference are slightly more trussite and the broader membership is less so. And I mean, that, that is going to become an interesting point to
0: watch. And James, I've noticed also, I mean, recently you and I have disagreed slightly, that I seem to think that Boris is more likely to stay and survive than you do. I wonder if we can explore that a bit. Look, I think there is an entirely
2: plausible scenario in which Boris Johnson survives, right? The Grey Report is a factual narrative report. It doesn't cast judgment. Tory MPs decide to wait until the local election's
0: in May to make yeah. a decision. O- Macron collapses, yeah. economic recovery, gongzo, etc. But let's say Dominic Cummings is sitting here with like another five or six story bombs to go off and they all come and it gets really bad. Is that the scenario you see? That, the, that basically the constituency chairman start to say to their MPs, you've got to get rid of this guy. We I, just- I think talking to Tory MPs, there is slightly more anger
2: from associations than we have perhaps appreciated which is you know Tory associations are kind of you know there is a reason why until it all went horribly wrong they like Theresa May so much right you know that they are solid respectable you know and lots of them have done nothing more naughty than running through a field of wheat if you see what I mean and so I, I think that factor in this is perhaps underplayed. This kind of atmosphere is not their kind of world.
0: But you know what? I can't work out why I didn't know. Here we are sitting in an office here in 22 Queen Street overlooking the Treasury of St. James's Park. We are a working office with a garden. Now, why did nobody tell us that it was okay to go into the garden? And booze! I never knew that was legal. Did you
2: know that? I think the argument as to why it is legal is not that it was legal everywhere, is that whether Crown land or not.
0: No, the argument was it was a workplace. Therefore, the garden was an extension of the office. This is what he said. I mean, our garden is an extension of our office. On his, we, we could have been out every single day in lockdown.
1: One for the Prime Minister. Thank you, Fraser. Thank you, James. And thank you for listening.